Hello. Good morning. Welcome back. I'm Grace. And I'm Lydia. And obviously, we're everything with the girls. You already know that. Um, so, how have you been? Um, yeah, lockdown's going great so far. The sun's back out. And yeah, had a great spring clean yesterday. So, that's always good. Yeah. How are you doing? Um, well, Sorry, I've got hay fever, so I'm sniffly. I turned 25. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's it now, guys. You're just a baby. I'm not. Well, I'm yeah. 27 I mean, this year. I know. I know. Oh, I know. It's so weird, isn't it? Because I think back to when we were, like, when I was 18. Yeah. And you had to, like, look after me all the time. And now yeah. I'm like, am I a grown up? I don't, I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, um, I went home. I went home, home for a couple of days. Oh, am I allowed to say that? We'll yeah, I am because actually I live on my own and my mum, my mum is my bubble. Bubble. So actually I can. So yeah, ha, you can't come for me. <laughs> um, yeah, which was nice. Um, saw my mum. We had a takeaway. Another takeaway. Always then, great. I know. Yeah, just loads of dog walks. Loads of loads and loads and loads of dog walks. You sounded so brummy then. Sorry. Loads and loads and loads of dog walks. <laughs> um but yeah, but now I'm back. I actually like I came I came back to where I live now. Cause I got to work again on Tuesday and I'm like, I never want to be here, but mm. Yeah. So that's my life. I turned 25. Now I'm officially old. <laughs> now the depression really kicks in. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, on that note. <laughs> it's um, one of those weeks this week, guys. <laughs> I know. It's just uh, like, you know, when, like we're almost out of lockdown, but we're still like, it feels like it's never going to end. Yeah, pretty much. It's next week, isn't it? We're out like, not out of, of April. It, but... The gym opens up again. Yeah, and that's all I, I officially have. I officially have no more excuse to not work out. Yeah, that's so. all I care about is the gym opening up and TK Maxx opening up because I Ooh, need some yeah. coffee syrups. Ooh, yeah, that's a good idea. And I am going to stock up on those coffee syrups just in case we go into lockdown again and I can't get them. Do you know what I need to do? I need to cancel my Amazon Prime membership because that is just ripping through my bank account. Honestly, it's actually I, unhealthy. Yeah. I've actually been quite good. Uh, the, what was the last thing I ordered? Oh, a few books. Um, and now I want a few more. But other than that, I know I ordered another book today. I need to mm. honestly, if you guys could see how many books I have that I've just not read, I just buy books. Obviously, I don't. I am reading them. <laughs> I'm reading them, but like slowly. I'm reading yeah. a suitable boy now. Oh God, I'm a hundred pages in. I've given myself the whole of April to read it. It's this humongous book yeah but yeah slowly but surely yeah but anyway i've got two books on the go right now yeah yeah well nothing true crimey i feel like we have to separate things sometimes yeah sometimes i need a little bit of a break i need to get back into doing some research uh just this whole exam and everything has just been taking my head apart Mm. Because if I'm not working, I'm studying. And if I'm not studying, I'm reading to try and get away from the screens. Mm. I just, I just, 
it gets to midnight. I'm like, fuck, I haven't done any research again. <laughs> it's so bad. I need just like 10 days off of work and studying and all that so I can just mm. actually do what I like to do. Yeah. But I will. I'll get back into it. So this week um, we're talking about Ed Gein. He's also known as the Butcher of Plainfield. I mean, I don't want to like say that he's my favourite serial killer because I know that sounds like a bit messed up. But I think he's probably the most interesting one. He's like, I find him the most interesting Like, I find this case not scary, but the most, like, haunting, let's say, because of, like, the movies and everything and the pop culture surrounding it. Whereas when you think about people like Ted Bundy, that, like, I just, that doesn't interest me. Like, yeah, so, you know, Gene's crimes are really notorious and um, his stories kind of affected loads of different um, American pop culture. So his life has been fictionalised in works such as Psycho, Deranged, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, The Silence of the Lambs, and our favourite American horror story. So he's Definitely. well known in America. Um, and yeah, he. I think what it is is because he's obviously, he's ba- like Norman Bates in Psycho. Mm. It's supposed to be Ed Gein. And, I, and then... When they created Bates Motel, which is like Norman Bates before Psycho, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I just, I really like Bates Motel. I think it's I've such never a good seen it all the way through. I think I've seen like the first series. It's really. Sorry, good. I'm just moving around. So if you've ever watched Psycho or Bates Motel or even Silence of the Lambs or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you kind of know what we're gonna be talking about. Fun fact: um, um, Psycho was the first horror film I ever watched and I was about five or six. What the fuck? Well, I wasn't actually watching it. My mum was watching it and I was just kind of just sat there. I don't think she kind of realised I was in the room. That's a perfect example of, um, you know, when people argue that violent video games make you turn you into a murderer because <laughs> as far as I'm aware you haven't murdered anyone. So Definitely not. I'm too scared of authority <laughs> to <laughs> commit any sort of crime. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm just not interested in it, if I'm honest. It's too, it just seems like too much hassle. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. So Edward Theodore Gein, he was born on August the 27th, 1906 in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. Gein was the second of two boys to George Gein and Augusta. Augusta hated her husband. I mean, don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was, by all accounts, an alcoholic who was unable to keep a job. Well, that'll fucking do, won't it? Yeah, that might put a bit of a strain on the marriage. George had owned a local grocery store for a few years, but sold the business and the family left the city to live in isolation on a 155-acre farm in the town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, which became the Geens family's permanent residence. That's a big farm. Sounds ideal, to be fair. Isolation on a 155-acre farm. Yeah. I would do that. So Augusta took this opportunity to isolate her sons and turn them away from anyone who could have an influence on them. Edward left the farm only ever to go to work. She, um... You know why she used to... I don't know whether you go into it or not, but she used to, like 
quotes protect them from the world because she she thought women were like the scum of the earth yeah she thought like this is what one of the podcasts was saying yeah yeah and i'm like is that because your husband was cheating on you so you blame the woman rather than your husband i don't know what that's about yeah i don't know what that's about yeah but yeah he's got issues with women so outside of school, Gein spent most of his time doing chores on the farm. Augusta was incredibly religious and Gein followed a strict Luther- Lutheran um, Lutheran ideology. Yeah. I think that's how you pronounce it, like a Luther. Yeah. yeah. Um, Augusta preached to her boys about the innate immortality of the world, the evil of drinking, and her belief that all women, like we just mentioned, oh, apart yeah. from herself, of course, apart from herself... Were naturally promiscuous and instruments of the devil. So she wasn't a feminist. We hadn't arrived at a time where women had equal rights yet. Um, yeah. I mean, it's very like when you describe the mother, she is the mother out of Bates Motel. Yeah, she is. She is. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it does. You, you see the, uh, the crossover there. 100%. So Augusta reserves time every afternoon to read them the Bible and usually selected verses from the Old Testament and the Book of Revelations concerning murder, death and divine retribution. I mean, is that a bedtime story? Yeah, and have you, the Book of Revelations, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's like, it's just fucking weird, like it doesn't make sense. I've never read it, but like... It's I've like, it's kind of like apocalyptic, it's just yeah. <laughs> It's what Mormons use, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I th- I'm pretty sure uh, Mormons use Book of Revelations. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. So obviously, Gein was shy, because you would be from that mm. upbringing. Um, classmates and teachers remembered him having strange mannerisms, such as seemingly random laughter, and if he were laughing, as if he were laughing at his own personal jokes. Serial killer personality type one there. To be fair, I laugh at my own jokes. <laughs> yeah, but not like in a weird way, like the, you know how kids do it. That's so weird. Yeah, it's like they're talking to themselves in their head, but like they yeah, laugh it's out loud. Like... So to make things worse, Augusta also punished him whenever he tried to make friends. So he had no social development. But he did do fairly well in school and was quite good at reading. Not that that's relevant to the story at all. I just thought, I don't know. He's probably like he probably it wasn't is always smart. bad. Yeah, but his social development's not there. I mean, so, looking at the child, not knowing what we, what he goes on to do, but looking at the child, you do feel a bit sorry for him. For yeah, upbringing. You know what I mean? I think that's what it. I think that's why I like liked reading about him though, is because you do even. After, I don't know if this is just me, but even after we're going to talk about what he did, I still kind of feel sorry for him. Because mm. I feel like he just wasn't right. Um, on April the 1st, 1940, Ed Gein's father, George, died of heart failure caused by his alcoholism. He was 66 years old. I mean, in the 40s, that's not a bad age, is it? Hmm. No, I wouldn't say so. Like Henry, now it is. Uh, but you go. 
Now it is. Yeah, yeah, obviously now it but is. But he, he would have been, like, working outside every day, doing, like, quite hard labour tasks, if he, especially if he works on a farm, wouldn't he? And then with the alcoholism, I'm surprised he lasted till 66. <laughs> so Henry and Ed, Henry is Ed's brother, began doing odd jobs around the town to help cover living expenses. The brothers were generally considered reliable and honest by residents of the community. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbours. Kind of weird, like grown man babysitting, but okay. He enjoyed babysitting and seemed to relate more easily to children than adults. No surprise there. Henry began dating a divorced mother of two and planned to move in with her. But he was worried about his brother's attachment to their mother. So again, very Bates Motelli. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it is weird that a, what, 34-year-old man is babysitting for neighbours and stuff, but I think the town just saw him as, like, this weird, innocent guy. Like, it wasn't... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it might be different. It might be, like, a tiny little village. I don't know, but to me it's kind of weird. Yeah, it wasn't, like, a... Like, a odd thing for just some random guy to be... Because I think it was quite a small town. Mm. Um, but everyone seemed that he like thought he was quite innocent until shit started happening, basically. Yeah, he was kind of like the local weirdo, though, that was like still lived with his mum and stuff. Yeah. Um, but on May the 16th, 1944, Henry and Ed were burning marsh vegetation on the property and the fire got out of control. By the end of the day, the fire was extinguished and firefighters had all gone, but Henry had disappeared. So with lanterns and flashlights, a search party searched for Henry, whose dead body was found lying face down. Apparently he had been dead for some time, and it appeared that the cause of death was heart failure. He'd not been burned or injured any other way. Um, And it was later reported by biographer Harold Shaysha? Yeah, Shaysha. I don't know how you pronounce that name. That Henry had bruises on his head. The police dismissed the possibility of foul play and the county coroner later officially listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. The authorities accepted that the incident, the accident theory, but no official investigation was ever conducted and an autopsy was never also performed. In later years, Ed was questioned on this death and some investigators have claimed that in retrospect, it was possible and likely that Henry's death was a Cain and Abel aspect of this case. So a lot of people would agree that this was Ed's first murder, mm-hmm. but that was never actually proved. Yeah. Um, I personally don't think that he killed his brother. If you look at his like modus operandi, um, which we'll obviously talk about when we talk about his crimes that he's do he's gonna do in a bit. It doesn't fit with his usual crime. No, but I don't think it was a let's go out and kill him. However, if the brother, his older brother, is getting concerned with his attachment to the mother, yeah, if he's brought up his mum in conversation, like saying like oh you need to move out something like that and if he's so overly attached to his mum and like 
he has this weird connection with her. He's probably got very angry and snapped. So I can see it. But yeah. like the podcast I listened to last night, it said that he had blunt force trauma to the back of his head. Mm. So it wasn't just bruising. Like he had like a a wound. I uh, really. Um, yeah. So it. I do think he like he he did kill him. Yeah, especially because... if he's like trying to take him away from his mom. The Cain and Abel theory does kind of make sense when you look at how close he was to his mum. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there was like jealousy or rivalry there. But to me, I mm. I think like. Well, they were they were isolated, so they must have been really close as brothers. But I guess you could say literally the exact opposite. Yeah, that actually yeah. he was like really jealous or something or whatever. But I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. No, but even in Bates Motel, you do see it with, between the brothers, don't you? The older yeah, brother you definitely do can recognize his mum for what she is, mm. and it's Norman who's like he can't see it. Mm. He just thinks that she's this amazing woman who only ever wants the best for him and stuff. Like, mm. but yeah. So Gene and his mother were now alone, which I'm pretty sure that's all they ever wanted. Don't you think? <laughs> yeah, probably. However. Augusta had a paralyzing stroke shortly after Henry's death and Gein devoted himself to taking care of her. Sometime in 1945, he and his mother visited a man named Smith who lived nearby to purchase straw. According to Gein, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. A woman inside the Smith house came outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. That's awful. Augusta was extremely upset by the scene. However, what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality towards the dog, but rather the presence of the woman. Obviously. <laughs> Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith, so she had no business being there. Smith's harlot, Augusta called her. She had a second stroke soon afterward, and her health rapidly deteriorated. Like, what is your issue, love? Like, why do you hate women so much? I know. Why does it not bother you that this man beat a dog to death? Exactly. The dog is innocent in this. Mm -hmm. And the woman is And so is she, this woman. If this woman wants to come hang exactly. out with Smith and be his harlot, like, you do you. Could have been his sister. You don't know that. Augusta died on December 29th, 1945, at age 67. Ed was devastated. And in the words of the author of Harold Schechter, he had lost his only friend and one true love and was absolutely alone in the world. Oh, see, poor Ed. Oh, sorry, but why is your mother your one true love? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, Get I love my mum, but yeah, yeah, that's not happening. Gein held on to the farm and earned money from odd jobs. He boarded up the rooms used by his mother, including the upstairs, downstairs parlours and living room, leaving them untouched. That's weird as well. Like, mm. While the rest of the house became increasingly dirty and squalid, these rooms remained in perfect condition. 
Gein lived thereafter in a small room next to the kitchen, and around this time he became interested in reading pulp magazines and adventure stories, particularly those involving cannibals and Nazi atrocities. I never know how to say that word when it's written down. <laughs> what atrocities? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird flex, but he's now into like little weird magazines with cannibals and stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose like we can't really judge because we're interested in like Ed Gein and true crime and stuff. <laughs> oh my god, that's so true. <laughs> However, oh my god, Ugh. I think our level of interest is normal. Like, is it? Because we're yeah, I think so. Because as like a society, the interest in true crime and like why people do what they do to a certain level is normal. But when it mm. starts to become like an obsession and like that's all you learn about and things, that's when it's a bit like, oh God, we need to get you some help. <laughs> like, mm. But um, yeah. Gein was a handyman and received the farm subsidy from the federal government starting in 1951. And he occasionally worked for the local road crew and crop threshing crews in the area. Sometime between 1946 and 1956, he also sold an 80-acre part of the land that his brother Henry was had once owned. So Henry hadn't married this woman. He was just wanting to marry her, so that's why it all went to Ed. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, killed him. Killed him yeah. right on time. Poor guy didn't even get married first. I know. So let's get into the crime, shall we? Oh, okay. This is where it starts getting juicy. So everyone, hold on to your knickers, because it's about to get bumpy. On the morning of the 16th of November, 1957, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. Plainfield resident reported that the hardware store truck had been driven out from the rear of the building at around 9.30am. The hardware store saw few customers the entire day, and some area residents believed that this was because it was deer hunting season. So everyone was out, out of town. Mm -hmm. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, entered the store at around 5pm to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains all over the floor. Frank wow. told investigators that Gein had been in the store the evening before his mother's disappearance and that he would return the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. The sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning of her disappearance. On the evening of the same day, Gein was arrested at a West Plainfield grocery store and the Sheriff's Department searched the Gein farm, but nobody was ready for what they were about to discover. A Sheriff deputy discovered Warden's decapitated body in a shed on Gein's property. The body was hung upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes at her wrists. The torso was dressed like a deer and she had been shot with a rifle and the mutilations were made after her death. So I didn't know what dressed like, out like a deer meant and I googled it and let me tell you it was single-handedly yeah. the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life. Yeah. So when you're dressed out like a deer it's basically like you're cut open. Stem to sternum. Yeah stem to sternum. And all your insides are taken out. It's like, you know, in Vikings when they do the eagle death. Yeah. 
it's just on the front of you rather than on the back. So, yeah. And I also, I mean, when I was researching it, I forgot to put it in, but I've read a book before that said that when they first went into this shed, it was obviously like it was nighttime and it was dark. And um, the guy actually like walked backwards and bumped into this body yeah. And like turned around and shone a light on it and saw it like he had just bumped into it and like saw it in the dark and I thought, oh my god, that will give you fucking nightmares. There were crimes before this. This was the one that got him caught though. Wasn't this was it? yeah. So yeah, they basically they unveil were, um, like a whole load of like terrible stuff. But yeah, this is what like kind of gets him caught and then he later admits to the, all this other stuff. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, because this one, when they were talking about last night, they were just talking about the rumours. They didn't actually say mm. that he was involved in it at that point. So the sheriff deputy has found this fucking awful thing um, and then they have to search the rest of his house. And this is what they uncovered. Are you ready? I am. An entire human skeleton... A waste bin made of human skin, made of human mm-hmm. skin, human skin covering several chairs, like the bit that you sit on, skulls on each of his bedposts, female skulls, several with their tops sawn off, oh. bowls made from human skulls, a corset made from a female torso skinned from shoulders to waist. Oh my god! I can't. Leggings, leggings made from human <laughs> leg skin. What the actual? Oh. Do you reckon they're squat proof? <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Oh, oh my god! Do you know what that reminds me of? You know, in the office when he cuts the face off the dummy. <laughs> we can't make light of this. Stop it. <laughs> If anybody's ever watched The Office where they do CPR and then Dwight cuts off the face of the CPR, like, dummy, oh, my days, that's the funniest scene ever. Oh, it's just, like, the image that popped, and, and, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation or what happened, but it's just the image that popped into my head when, as soon as you said that. That's terrible. Oh, anyway, I'm so sorry. let me carry on I'm because I'm not morbid. done yet. I'm not done yet. Oh, God, okay. They found Bernice Warden's entire head in a bag. Ooh. They found her heart in a plastic bag in front of the potbelly stove. Like well, waiting I don't even to be want to know what she what they found nine vulva in shoe Oof. boxes. They found a belt made from human nipples. They found four noses. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. Very I mean, very inventive. Oof. And they found a lampshade made from skin of a human face. And I think like, this lampshade I've many? seen I've seen I've seen this lampshade and it has like yeah, I think you can I've actually see like the noses and the ears and stuff. Yeah. But like how many victims were there for all this? Do you know what I well, mean? He's gonna go on to tell you in a sec. So these artifacts are all photographed. Um, at the state crime laboratory, and then they were decently disposed of. That's just mad. Horrible, isn't it? So when he was questioned, Gein told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 49 time visits to three local graveyards to exhume 
recently buried bodies while he was in a daze-like state. On about 30 of those visits, he said he came out of the daze while he was in the cemetery, left the grave in a good order, and then returned home empty-handed. On other occasions, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took their bodies home. Again, it all comes down to the mother. (laughs) Gein admitted to stealing from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Alan Wilimowski of the State Crime Laboratory participated in opening three test graves identified by Gein. The caskets were inside wooden boxes. The tops of the boxes were about two feet below the sandy soil and Gein had robbed the graves soon after the funerals while the graves had not yet completed. So he didn't actually have to dig much up, basically. Mm. The test graves were exhumed because the authorities were uncertain as to whether Gein was capable of single-handedly digging up the grave during a single evening. They were found as Gein described, and two of the exhumed graves were found empty. One casket was empty, one casket Gein had failed to open when he lost his pry bar and in the third grave most of the body was gone. Yet Gein had returned rings and some body parts. This all corroborated with Gein's confession. So he didn't actually kill anyone. Well. Except for this, the woman that went missing from the hardware Except for Bernice Warden and we're about to get into one more. The waitress. But yeah, apart from that, he was the rest of the time he robbed graves yeah okay so then he's not a serial killer no he's not but he's known as one of the most notorious serial killers mm, i don't know if well the, the if, term if he serial killer he's one of his notorious murderers isn't he or yeah if he actually killed his brother then he would be a serial yeah, killer that's true, actually, yeah yeah um yeah Although some people say that you can only be classed as a serial killer if you kill three or more people within a break of 30 days between each murder. I don't know. I think think that's that's getting too technical. Yeah, I think it's just like you're a serial killer. I think it should be if you kill more than one person, you're a serial killer. I don't understand why the rule is three. Because I think when it's three or more, the MO tends to be the same. Whereas... Say you kill someone and then you accidentally hit someone with your car and kill them. You know what I mean? You're I not actually... They're kind a... of, really, they're all just made up phrases that some criminologist yeah. somewhere has made But again, up. it's just made up phrases to try and understand the human behaviour. Mm. Because I don't think we're ever going to understand the human behaviour. So soon after his mother's death, Gein began to create a woman's suit, quote, so that he could become his mother to literally crawl into her skin. He was actually um, known to have said that he wished his mother had just made him a woman growing up. Really? Yeah. Not entirely sure why, but that it's been... It was discussed as to whether he had, like, trans tendencies, like he wanted to be female rather than male, like he punished Mm. himself for being male. Maybe. Um, but obviously with the time this all happened, it wasn't really understood like mm. as much as it is today. So you can only like basically go off the little snippets of what he said and how he acted. But um, 
I don't really understand. What they did explain it was to do with his mum as to why he said he should have been a girl, like as as a child. But then his his mother didn't like females, so I don't know. Don't understand that. So Gein denied having sex with bodies he exhumed, explaining they'd smelled too bad. Okay, so if they'd smell better, then you probably wouldn't have sex with them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that is the point you were making, but perhaps, yeah. <laughs> Shove a bit of rose water on there, like. Oh my God. <laughs> During the state crime lab interrogation, Gein also admitted to the shooting death of Mary Hogan, the tavern owner missing since. 1954 whose head was found in his house but he later denied the memory of the details of her death yeah so she basically she'd gone missing and stuff and i think she was single when she'd gone missing and one of the people who's working with was like oh ed if only you'd married her maybe she wouldn't be missing basically you could have kept an eye on and he was like oh yeah she's down at my house now cooking dinner like and she was actually at his house but she was dead like that's so weird so he'd, like, you know, he, probably about actually, it. he probably actually thought she was cooking dinner because if you've watched Bates Motel he like yeah. goes a bit mad like that and thinks that yeah. things aren't real are real yeah but um Maybe yeah so he was making jokes from. about it knowing what he'd done yeah yeah I'm glad I had my breakfast before we did this mm. a 16 year old youth whose parents were friends of Gein and who attended ball games and movies with him, reported that Gein kept shrunken head in his house, which Gein had described as relics from the Philippines sent by a cousin who had served on the islands during World War II. Upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be human facial skins, carefully peeled from the corpses and used by Gein as masks. Gein was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. During questioning, Wushara County Sheriff Archley reportedly assaulted Gein by banging his head and face into a brick wall. I mean, you're going to get everything from that, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. What a proactive way to do your work. (laughs) I mean, let's torture someone. They're obviously going to tell us the truth then. As a result, Gein's initial confession was ruled as inadmissible, obviously. Like, God forbid you actually just do your job and get something worthwhile that can actually get these killers. I think what's important as well to remember is that, like, yeah, obviously he did these horrendous crimes, but there's obviously some, like... um... Psychological... Yeah, or maybe even mental, developmental issues there. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, he's not all there, is he? No. No. And he's a grown man babysitting kids and he gets on better with children than he does adults. Like, there's obviously something there. Like, you can't question him the way you would question any other person. Do you know what I mean? No. And he... um... He's not like a master manipulator like Ted Bundy or whoever else. To be as attached to his mother, and I'm not saying kid boy, especially boys who are attached to their mums and stuff are, is wrong or anything, but to be as attached as he was to the point where he wants to make a 
clothing made out of skin to be like his mother that's not normal attachment so you mm. kind of wonder whether there was a level of abuse or something there mm. do you know what i mean yeah yeah um but yeah Shley died of heart failure at age 43 just before Gein's trial and many who knew him said that he was traumatised by the horror of Gein's crimes and this, along with the fear of having to testify, caused his death. I mean, the fear of having to testify knowing that you assaulted the <laughs> yeah. detainees and you'd probably be screwed and lose your job. Maybe? You probably fucked it up, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely fucked it up. On November 21st, 1957, Gein was arranged on one count of first-degree murder, which he pleaded not guilty by reasons of insanity. Gein was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent and therefore unfit to stand trial. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, a maximum security facility in Wupan, Wisconsin. And later he was transferred to the Mendota State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. In 1968, doctors determined Gein was mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defence. So he was deemed fit for trial. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was right or wrong. I mean, personally, I I wouldn't think he would be fit to stand trial. Mm. But there you go. So the trial began on the 7th of November 1968 and it lasted just one week. A psychiatrist testified that Gein had told him that he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or an accident. Gein had told him that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the gun went off and it killed Warden. Gein testified that after trying to load the bullet into the rifle, it discharged. He said he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and he didn't remember anything else that happened that morning. At the request of the defence, Gein's trial was held without a jury with Judge Robert H. Golmer presiding. Gein was found guilty on November 14th. A second trial dealt with Gein's sanity, and after testimony by doctors from the prosecution and defence, Golmer ruled that Gein was not guilty by reasons of insanity, and ordered him to be committed to Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. So, just going round and round in circles. Yeah, like, what's what's the point of these trials if he's only going to end up in a... Maximum They're just trying to determine whether he's insane or not, I guess. Like playing the system or not. Yeah. Gein spent the rest of his life in a mental hospital and Judge Golmer wrote that due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, that of Mrs. Warden, but he did also admit to killing Mary Hogan. That really annoys me when that happens. Mm. That happened with like Des Nielsen, didn't it? Where they were, he was guilty of more crimes, but... I mean, it's happened with so many that we. It was like a waste of time to try them for these extra crimes because they're going to die in prison anyway. And you kind of think, well, there is a point because that person deserves justice. The victims, yeah, and the families. Yeah, it's just it's not right, but it is the way it is, I guess. So Gein's house and his 195 acre property were appraised for four thousand seven hundred dollars. His possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on the 30th of March 1958 amidst rumours that the house and the land it stood on might become a tourist attraction. But on the 20th of March, the house was destroyed by fire. Arson was suspected, but the cause of fire was never officially determined. 
mean, it's not a surprise, is it? So all this stuff burnt down. Yeah. Edward Gein died at the Mendota Mental Health Institute due to respiratory failure and lung cancer on July the 26th, 1984, at the age of 77. Over the years, souvenir seekers chipped pieces of his gravestone away until the stone itself was stolen in 2000. That's where the fascination becomes too much. Mm. Like having an interest in true crime and why it's people gotta be a bit, weird, it's a bit weird, isn't it? If someone came around your house and they were like, "Oh, what's that little bit of rock?" and you were like, "Yeah, it's a bit of Ed Gein's gravestone." Yeah. Like, like that's why? Not normal. Yeah. <sighs> it was recovered in two thousand and one and placed in the storage at the Wishara County Sheriff's Department. The gravesite is now unmarked but not unknown. So Gein's life has had the lasting effect on American popular culture, as evident by the numerous appearances in film, music and literature. The tale first became widespread to public attention in the fictionalised version represented by Robert Balch in his 1959 novel, Psycho. In addition to Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film of Balch's novel, Psycho, Gein's story was loosely adapted to numerous films, including Deranged, In the Light of the Moon, and Ed Gein, The Butcher of Plainfield. Gein served as inspiration for a myriad of fictional serial killers, most notably Norman Bates in Psycho, Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. There was also elements of um, Hannibal, like, of his character was from Ed Gein as well, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. And also, um, yeah, in American story, in American horror story, but for, for like, I can't remember right now what character he is. Mm. Is he in the first one in Murder House? I don't know. Um, but yeah, there you have it. That is the gruesome crimes of Ed Gein. Um, I feel sick, but this is a true crime podcast. So, I mean, what did you think we were going to talk about? I mean, I feel like we should just label this as a murder podcast because that's all we ever talk talk about. That's not true because actually after this, our next two episodes are going to be a disappearance and a massacre. Oh, okay. We're really pushing the boat out. Wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's the only elements of crime that are actually interesting and you want to learn about because Mm. things like robbery and stuff is just a bit like I was just thinking that like white really crime the psychological I don't know if that's us though if we're just not interested in that but yeah so can you can you understand why Ed Gein is like quote my favorite serial killer yeah I like I think he's one of my is I wouldn't say like favorite but I think I find him one of the most interesting ones it's just like it's just weird isn't it yeah it's just interesting. Like And you don't get ob- many belts made out of human nipples, I'm just saying. Yeah, this is the thing. Obviously, it's a very to niche market. Someone, to murder someone is like I mean, I shouldn't even have to say it, but it's obviously not okay. Like But I don't think he killed them to murder them. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like with say like Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. They did it because they got something out of it. Yeah, they and got I think some each, each crime we're looking at, like, it's the psychological, like, looking at the psychological aspect of it. And it's like that for all crimes, but it's so interesting when you look at someone like Fred West, 
Mm. And then Ed Gein, like their childhoods were just so different, but also the same. And it's yeah, just, I don't like, know, it's just super interesting. Whereas with Rose West, she, I would say because she was just an evil person, whereas Fred West, it, it was a bit more complicated because he had like the the brain injuries and things like that. Well, I don't know actually because me and my mum watched a documentary called, oh, it's on Channel 5. It's like the Making a Monster, The Life of Rose West. Yeah. And it's actually very interesting and it talks about her childhood and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, she definitely had things in her childhood that will have shaped her as to who she was and stuff, but I think an element of like needing that control and power and stuff came into it as well. Mm. Um. It's the same with like Ian Brady and Myra Hindley. They like the power that they had over the children. Yeah. Basically. And that's what they got out of it. But anyway, we're talking about Ed Gein today. So that was our episode on Ed Gein. That was his life and his crimes. If you like this podcast or any of the other ones, then be sure to follow us on Instagram. I hope you know it by now, but it is everything with the girls. If you don't, everything with the girls pod actually, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, please be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We've got three, just saying. Four. Um, three. Four. Yeah, we got three. Sorry. Three. Yeah. God, calm down. Um, but you <laughs> could be the fourth. You could be the fourth. Um, yeah, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Spooky True Crime. Dun dun dun. Have a lovely week. Goodbye. See you later. Bye.